Well, hello there. I'm Robin Roberts of ABC's Good Morning America, and welcome to COVID-19 Immunity in Our Community. It's an innovative new podcast series brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. COVID-19 Immunity in Our Community has been created to provide you with the groundbreaking science, honest facts, and unvarnished truth about the deadly coronavirus and the revolutionary vaccines that could put this pandemic behind us and bring a bit of normalcy back for all of us. And in this second episode, we're talking about how safety was prioritized throughout the ambitious development and rollout of the vaccines that were produced so quickly. First, we are going to hear from Jay Green, a healthcare reporter for Cranes Detroit. Initially a vaccine skeptic, Jay had said he would turn down the vaccine if it were offered to him. But you know what? After hearing from leading experts and digging into the latest research, he became convinced that the vaccine was not only effective, but safe. We'll uncover what exactly Jay learned about the vaccine that changed his mind and convinced him to get vaccinated. After that, we want you to stay tuned as we get answers from two leading vaccine scientists, Dr. Kismikia Corbett, a research fellow at the National Institutes of Health in the Vaccine Research Center and the scientific lead for the coronavirus research team, and Dr. Barney Graham, deputy director of the Vaccine Research Center and chief of the Viral Pathogenesis Laboratory. They're going to help us understand how these new vaccines work, how we know they are safe, and how they could have been rolled out so quickly without cutting corners. The vaccines that can protect us from COVID-19 and prevent severe illness and death were deployed in less than a year. And it's that rapid turnaround, along with phrases like unprecedented timeline, that have some people rightfully asking questions about what allowed both the private sector and government to move so quickly from development to authorization to now administering vaccines in our neighborhoods. So in this episode, we talk through it all to assure people that the vaccines are safe and they help prevent COVID-19 infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. Journalist Jay Green knows how to examine the science behind health claims. As an experienced reporter for Cranes Detroit, he's been covering health care for nearly 40 years. He has seen his share of outbreaks before, having reported on Ebola and swine flu. And while an expert at separating truth from myths, for most of 2020, Jay was uncertain the FDA could authorize a safe, effective vaccine against the coronavirus so quickly, telling people that he had no plans to get vaccinated. The first two authorized vaccines in the pipeline from Pfizer and Moderna use something called mRNA technology. And Jay wanted to see the evidence behind how it works. So he did what any good journalist would do. He took a close look at the research. He read dozens of articles about the vaccine approval process interviewed top infectious disease doctors and scientists, really dug into the vaccine's clinical trials, and talked to some just everyday people who got vaccinated. 
After the deep dive, Jay would come to change his mind, determining that the evidence was clear. The vaccine was safe and effective, and it would protect him against getting infected with COVID-19. By late December, he decided he would get vaccinated when he could. At 66 years old, Jay's turn to get vaccinated came up relatively quickly, and on January 11th, he called his doctor to schedule an appointment. He was lucky enough to get his first vaccination that same day and a second a few weeks later. Here now is Jay with his story about how the research changed his mind and why he thinks people should listen to the experts, too. When COVID started hitting in Seattle in January, the hospitals I covered were were prepared, of course, but I didn't really start writing about it until the end of February when some of the nursing homes that I cover uh, started preparing a little bit. Uh, my wife's healthcare worker, she got COVID at the hospital. Her diagnosis actually was not too surprising. She was in an elevator uh, where there was a patient on a stretcher and he was coughing and he didn't have a mask on. Four or five days later, middle of the night, she started getting fevers. The next day, she lost her taste. All the classic symptoms. Fast forward to October, I think when when I wrote in my blog that I was skeptical Part of it was because the speed, the researching, uh, developing the vaccine usually took two or three years. I was skeptical for for that reason, but I also uh, got my flu shot. But as I've been writing about the COVID pandemic and also the vaccine research, I wondered if I was gonna get a call and they were gonna ask me if I would get a vaccine or not. And I wasn't sold on it at the time. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to say no. And I remember telling some of my doctor friends and some other researchers that, and they were shocked. You know, Jay, you're a healthcare reporter. You've read the research and everything. I said, yeah, but I want to read the final research. I want to hear some doctors and nurses get it. And so probably mid-December, when the doctors and nurses started getting inoculated, I interviewed them and they told me that it was a very mild reaction that they had. It varied. Some people uh, just had sore arms. Some people felt a little bit sick. Uh, There wasn't any uh, serious reaction. But side effects aside, Jay's main concerns were with the mRNA technology and the speed at which the vaccines using it, produced by Moderna and Pfizer, were released. That is until one doctor changed his perspective. I had spoken with Dr. Phil Levy. He's an ER doctor and an infectious disease doctor that I've been really talking with all year on this journey We started talking about the vaccines, and he was explaining in great detail about how elegant they were. He used a lot of very positive-type words, and he was totally sold on it. 
he pretty much broke it down for me. I, I think for most people, they hear things word of mouth. Hey, get this chicken sandwich at Popeye's. It's really great. They don't read the ingredients. They just get these testimonials for people. And I happen to have a great source list of doctors and, and researchers, and, and they really sold me on the idea. In addition to Dr. Levy's recommendation, there was one other personal factor that convinced Jay a vaccination was well worth it. His wife's experience with COVID-19 at the start of the outbreak. My wife, Olga, when she got COVID, that heavily influenced my decision to get a vaccine later on because I did not want to get uh, her sickness. And so that was a, uh, a motivating factor that eventually overtook uh, my skepticism. I decided to make an appointment for the vaccine because I felt that I had heard enough from people that it would work. To my surprise, a couple weeks ago, I got an email back, you've got an appointment on Tuesday afternoon. And I felt like I got, I got the lottery, so I had to go cash it in. <laughs> I got down there uh, at the clinic at the Henry Ford Hospital, put on my mask, went inside, uh, went up to the fifth floor. The nurses were extremely nice. One of them led me into a room where I, I read a, a five-page document uh, explaining the vaccine, explaining the possible side effects. Then she asked me about 10 questions if I, if I had COVID, if I'd been exposed to anybody with COVID, if I had any other vaccine, like a flu vaccine in the, in the previous 14 days. I just answered the questions and I sat back and gave, gave me the shot just like any other shot. Then she said, go out and wait for 15 minutes, see if there's any side effects. I, I didn't have any side effects at all. I was actually feeling quite hyper because I was excited. So at 15 minutes, uh, I nothing, no side effects. I walked out. I, on the way home, my left shoulder started to be a little bit sore. But then that afternoon, I actually felt very hyper because I felt really good. And the next couple of days, I was back to normal. So that, that was it. Ultimately, Jay has some parting advice for those who are still on the fence about the vaccines. He recommends listening only to bona fide experts and those who have firsthand experience with the vaccines. You need to speak with experts. If you want to get information from a friend, the only thing I would rely on is if that friend or family member took the vaccine. I would rely on their explanation of how they felt about it. I would not listen to any friend who said, well, I don't trust vaccines because I don't trust the government, that sort of thing. There, there's too much of that going on. I mean, people really need to listen uh, to experts. Dr. Fauci, I know that he was a big promoter of the vaccine research. At a certain point, he started reading the early uh, literature about the results in the clinical trials, and he felt optimistic. Dr. Sanjay Gupta is especially good to listen to. So I, I would just caution against any layperson giving their analysis about the efficacy of the vaccines and go to the experts. In 
if methodical medical research is what encouraged Jay Green to go ahead with his vaccination, we wanted to dig a little deeper and talk to two of the experts who developed that research, Dr. Kazmikia Corbett and Dr. Barney Graham, are responsible for coming up with safe, effective vaccines at the Vaccine Research Center at the National Institutes of Health. An African-American scientist who was featured in Time Magazine's 100 Next Innovators list as an up-and-coming leader, Dr. Corbett was cited by Dr. Anthony Fauci as producing work that, quote, will have a substantial impact on ending the worst respiratory disease pandemic in more than 100 years, end of quote. As a scientific lead for the coronavirus research team at the National Institutes of Health, she's been working on coronavirus vaccine development for the last six years. Dr. Corbett explained to us how the systems that were already in place made it possible to develop the COVID-19 vaccine so rapidly, pointing out the many safety checkpoints that the vaccines had to clear as they moved through each phase of clinical trials. She's going to help us understand how the vaccines could have been distributed so quickly after they were given the green light by the FDA. I lead a team of scientists who study and have studied coronavirus vaccine development for the last six years. We have been instrumental in the design and development of coronavirus vaccine in collaboration with Moderna. And so our work really is around the orchestration of the vaccine design. The clinical trials for the COVID-19 vaccines have been so rapid because of a large body of work that happened prior to the onset of this pandemic. But also, there was already established collaboration in our instance with Moderna. So when we understood that this was a coronavirus that was circulating in the beginning of 2020, it was very clear exactly what we could do by way of vaccine development. And not only just very clear from a data perspective, but also how to make that vaccine in collaboration with Moderna. And so we really had this system running and it was well-oiled tried and true because we'd been to this rodeo before, as I like to say. Really, these companies and also all of the people who funded the manufacturing, whether it be the federal government or otherwise, took the risk on each of these products in the portfolio to say that if it is approved, we already want X amount of doses to be able to be delivered. So in that way, as things are moving along the clinical trials the companies are able to manufacture a vaccine product and stockpile it in a way so that FDA-vetted vaccine product is ready to go. Dr. Corbett speaks to the concerns that Jay Green had had about mRNA technology. So vaccines are not a monolith. They're all made very differently. So, for example, the standard seasonal flu shot is an activated virus. So you're actually getting whole virus that is just weakened to the point that while it alerts your immune system and does cause immunity to the real virus, it is still a weakened form of the virus. All in all, vaccines, that is their job, to alert your immune system. But the way that vaccines do that are different depending on the platform. So with the currently available vaccines, 
There's the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines that are using messenger RNA to just deliver one spike protein from the virus, not the whole virus. There is also Johnson & Johnson vaccine that is using adenovirus, which is a common cold virus. They're taking out all of the mess that would make you sick from that common cold virus. And they're then delivering the same spike protein from the coronavirus via that platform, using that as a way to alert your immune system. We know that the technology used to create the messenger RNA vaccines is safe. Fundamentally, your cells are built for this. They read messages from RNA day in and day out, and they know exactly what to do with it. They read the message and then almost like a Snapchat message, you read it, you can't read it again, it's done, it's discarded, 24 hours, kapoosh, basically. Aside from just the fundamental biology, the history of using messenger RNA to deliver therapeutic proteins is not new. This technology has been developed for over 10 years, has been in people, in other clinical trials, and the safety profiles have been studied. And that is actually why there was confidence in the safety. Now, to those who think they can, you know, just skip the vaccine because they've already had COVID-19, Dr. Corbett says, think again. There are a lot of people who are saying, well, I've already been infected, so now I'm safe. And that is just largely untrue. There are a number of reinfections, and much of the data points in the direction of the vaccines giving you more robust, so that's more high-level immune responses following the vaccine as opposed to following the virus. And so if you're going to train your immune system to be protective against these viruses, the best and the safest and the most effective way is to do that via vaccine. Dr. Barney Graham is a medical doctor with a PhD in microbiology and immunology. He is the chief of the Viral Pathogenesis Laboratory at the National Institutes of Health, who led the first human trial to find an AIDS vaccine and was a finalist for the Promising Innovations Medal for his work creating a vaccine for the Zika virus. Dr. Graham outlined how extensive planning, organization, and funding made it possible for these vaccines to be authorized so quickly. But we also wanted him to explain how we know that the mRNA technology in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines is indeed safe. Well, as it turns out, it all comes down to the groundwork he and many other researchers laid down in the years leading up to the outbreak. Here's Dr. Graham. I feel like almost every thread of my life seems to have come together in this one big event. The Vaccine Research Center was established in 2000 and was devoted to developing an HIV vaccine. And even though we haven't been successful, the technologies that have been generated by trying to make an HIV vaccine are really what's been used to do the work that we've done on coronaviruses. The other part of my history is respiratory syncytial virus, which is another respiratory virus 
that has a protein like coronavirus spike. And I've spent 35 years working on RSV and that work on RSV really set us up for the work we've done on coronaviruses. So after responding to outbreaks this whole last decade, we made a deal with Moderna in 2017 to specifically focus on pandemic preparedness. By the time this outbreak occurred, we had already shown that mRNA delivery of the spike was a very effective vaccine. So we felt like we knew what to do and had been preparing for that moment when the coronavirus outbreak started at the beginning of 2020. As infections accumulated and started spreading around the globe, by March, we realized this was uh, not just a drill, this was the real thing. And so bringing together the infrastructure and cross-agency capacities of the U.S. government to create networks, uh, consortia of work groups to advance these studies in combination with the different companies, not just Moderna, but several other companies in the U.S. An infrastructure was put in place so that we could rapidly enroll and develop and do the advanced development part of this uh, vaccine. And the speed at which this was developed and the ability to compress the clinical trial progression and do a lot of things in parallel was largely based on the organization that took place and the money that was available to take some of the risk out. And so what wasn't done was to skip any steps of safety or to skip any steps of information we needed about the immune response things like that and efficacy of the vaccine. So in reality, after doing this for 35 years, I think the data package that we put together over this nine or 10 months before the vaccine was found to work was probably one of the most complete packages that I've ever seen. So there wasn't any skimping on the safety or the efficacy or the immune response patterns for this product. Dr. Graham makes it very clear that were it not for the decades of research and work he and his colleagues had already done long before COVID-19 surfaced, there is no way these effective vaccines could have been produced so quickly. And for that same reason, he knows that we can trust the technology behind them. I think there's a, a big lesson in what's happened during this last year. And to me, one of the biggest lessons is the importance of basic research. If we had not done the technology development through our work on HIV vaccines, if we had not made the discovery of the RSV protein confirmation and its effect on vaccine efficacy, without those kinds of background information, what happened this year so rapidly would not have been possible. The other lesson is this year has been a year of a lot of different groups pulling together. And so the people that work with me, even the small group that had worked on coronavirus over the last few years in my lab, led by Dr. Kizmikia Corbett, these individual efforts, these small efforts, and then the efforts of large groups coming together, pivoting from their ordinary work and studies has been Something that I hope people can recognize was extraordinary in the way that so many people, so many scientists, so many groups banded together to really make this vaccine development process happen. Banding together is the key in this fight against COVID-19. 
And like the other experts we've spoken to, Dr. Graham urges those who may be reluctant to get vaccinated to think of others in the fight against this deadly virus. Immunity is a group effort. The great problem with allowing yourself to be infected is that it's not just about you. It's about all of us in this together. And each time a new infection occurs, each time the virus has a new chance to grow in another person and and divide in their cells, it can select new variants. The virus can select viruses that grow better or transmit better or infect better. And so if you are the person who creates the new variant that escapes our vaccines and some of our antibody drugs that are working, that would not be a a good thing to have to live with. Jay Green, Dr. Corbett, and Dr. Graham all stressed how important it is for us to listen to the experts and look at the science behind the COVID-19 vaccines for answers to our questions. That's the same advice you'll hear from scientific leaders across the nation, including people like Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Francis Collins, director of the National Institutes of Health. Vaccinations are now rolling out throughout the United States, and we have already surpassed President Biden's pledge to provide 100 million doses of the vaccine within his first 100 days in office. So when it's your turn, please take your cue from Jay Green and join him and millions of your fellow Americans and schedule your vaccination appointment as soon as you can. The CDC has recommendations for who should be vaccinated first, and every state has their own vaccine rollout plan. It's based on your age, health conditions, and risk of exposure. To get vaccinated, go to cdc.gov forward slash coronavirus and scroll down to the middle of the page to click on the word vaccines. From there, click on vaccine finder and the site will help you determine where you can get the vaccine and how to make an appointment. You don't have to worry about paying for your vaccine. Your taxpayer dollars are funding the rollout, so there's no individual cost to you. So if someone asks you to provide your insurance information, that's only so your vaccination provider can bill your insurance for the administrative costs. But you will not be personally responsible for any expenses. I'd like to thank our guests, Jay Green, Dr. Corbett, and Dr. Graham, for sharing their thoughts and their expertise with us today. I hope you can tune in for Episode 3, in which we'll explore the facts behind the vaccine rollout and debunk the misinformation you may be hearing. Plus, I'm going to talk to Dr. Anthony Fauci who, as you probably know, is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Dr. Fauci has been on the front lines of the pandemic since day one, and he's going to speak to us about the solid science behind the vaccine's development and rollout. Looking forward to that. COVID-19 Immunity in Our Community was developed and paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, part of a public education campaign to increase public confidence in COVID-19 vaccines while reinforcing basic prevention measures. We can do this. Presented by iHeartRadio and ABC News, this podcast is hosted by me, 
Uh, that'd be Robin Roberts. The episode was executive produced by Ethan Fixell, written by Stephanie Thurot, and engineered, edited, and mixed, he can do it all, Matt Stillo, with original theme music by Brad Kemp. Now, if you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed COVID-19 immunity in our community, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Robin Roberts, and this is COVID-19 Immunity in Our Community. We sure do thank you for listening. 